The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sin you retain are retained. Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in your hands, and put your finger into the nail marks, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now a week later, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came, although doors were locked, and stood in their midst and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put my finger here, and see my hands, and bring your hand, and put it into my side, and do not be unbelieving, but believe. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you come to believe because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written that you might come to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that through this belief you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We're having a few, difficult, uh, few technical difficulties uh, today, as you've noticed already. Um, and one of these is that this microphone doesn't work at all, which is why I had the reader over there. So that's kind of that reasoning behind that. Just wanted to, if you guys were anxious about it or whatnot, or you noticed it, right? That's the reason. For whatever reason, this microphone isn't working. Um, and one of the other things that made me late was hearing confessions, which is partly uh, one of the beautiful things that I get to do as a priest and is a huge part of Divine Mercy Sunday. And just want to reaffirm, uh, or one of the things that we offer a half an hour before every Mass, uh, daily Mass and weekend Mass, is confession. And it's one of the greatest things that I do. Outside of actually in the midst of celebrating Mass, uh, Confession takes second place in my priorities as a priest only behind celebrating Mass. Um, And even that can be moved a little bit in the sense of it's okay if Mass is a little bit later if uh, confession is more important to start out with or uh, before Mass. So just to know that that's my priorities um, and that's the importance of confession. Uh, That's the importance of that reconciliation and that sacrament itself. This weekend is Divine Mercy Sunday, and so it's talking about the mercy of God. It's so important, and one of the greatest avenues of mercy that we have within the church today is the sacrament of reconciliation, is that sacrament which bestows God's mercy upon individuals and reconciles them concretely with God the Father. But um, before I get too far ahead of myself, I just... uh, Want to kind of set it up a little bit of why 
receiving God's mercy and receiving reconciliation is so important in God's plan. Well, it's partly uh, so important because peace is so important. God, Jesus came so that we might have life and so that we might have it abundantly. Not just live, survive, but have abundant life. And one of the important parts of abundant life is actually peace. Not excitement, not thrill, but peace. You can think of one of the hardest things to maintain in our life is peace. And yet the Lord, and the Lord, not and yet, and the Lord is very concerned about our peace. We hear about that today in the reading of the gospel according to John, is that Jesus has just risen from the dead and he's appearing to his disciples behind locked doors, right? They're afraid and so they're behind locked doors and Jesus appears to them and the first thing that he says is not like, hey, I'm here, (laughs) Uh, is peace be with you. Peace be with you. Right? He says it initially once, and then they rejoice, right? Because they thought that he was dead, and they weren't quite sure, and they heard different accounts that maybe he rose, but they were having difficulty with it. And then finally, he comes, and they rejoice, and he says it again. Peace be with you. Why is that so important, right? The two different extremes of despair, of being afraid, and also the overexcitement, right? Peace be with you. And then when he comes again a week later, when Thomas is finally there, the first thing that he starts out with is peace be with you. Now, what is this peace that he gives us? This peace he's talked about at other times. He says, the peace that I give you is not of the world, but I give it to you as God gives. Now, what kind of peace does God give? Well, God gives a peace that can endure in all things. This peace that he gives is not possible, uh, just to kind of understand peace a little bit, so we want to take in something that maybe we kind of understand and apply it to the spiritual life. Uh, in the military, we recognize that peace is, is uh, we sometimes identify peace as the absence of war, right? As long as there's not fighting, there's peace. But even within the military, we recognize that's not completely true, right? If there's injustice happening, even though that there might not be obvious fights, we're still, there's still not peace, right? It's one of the reasons for the term Cold War, right? There was a war going on with Russia, even though we weren't specifically actually fighting with them government to government, there was fighting that was happening because there was injustices that were happening. There were, there were things that were happening. And so there wasn't peace, even though that there was peace, it wasn't a complete peace, And so to kind of recognize that, right, Uh, peace is not just the absence of war. And sometimes in the spiritual life, we uh, can can try to get peace by the absence of fighting. So there's different ways of reconciling peace. And Satan sometimes does this to us, is our conscience will often cause us to not be at peace. And so one way of gaining peace is, is to shut down our conscience, right? As long, well, if the conscience wasn't there causing me to be uncomfortable, right, then I would be at peace. And this is kind of a lie of Satan, is that he tries to say, well, hey, if you just don't consider that a sin, or if you just push down your conscience, right, ignore it, then you'll be at peace. 
And that's a, a false peace because it's not an enduring peace. Our conscience is there to show us when there's problems, when there's injustice is happening, when there's sin there. And we can suppress it and cause a false peace, but it's not a lasting peace. We want peace that endures. And the only time that we're going to be able to have that in a spiritual life and in a, in a spiritual way and in a lively way is when we're at peace with God and also with ourselves. And our conscience is a large part of that. The peace that we want to pursue is not a peace of an absence of the war, of shutting down our conscience or ignoring sin, but it's instead acknowledging the sin, receiving God's mercy and living in truth. Okay. So to kind of get that, it's one of the things that I find really beautiful about mercy is that it doesn't ignore sin. Okay. God isn't concerned or God doesn't want us to have a false sense of peace or to say that, oh yeah, it doesn't matter what you do, you know, do whatever because God's mercy is there and so it doesn't matter. No, that's not God's mercy. That's ignoring God's mercy. God's mercy is not presumptuous. We don't presume upon God's mercy. Uh, That's in fact a sin, presumption, where we presume upon God's mercy and say, well, God's going to forgive me anyway, so it doesn't matter. Like, no, it does matter because sin has real effects. It has real effects on us. It has real effects on other people and it has real effects on God. Jesus Christ suffered and died for us in our sin. That has real effects. And even though that his mercy endures forever, and even though that he offers us his mercy, it still doesn't mean that it's okay to sin. It still doesn't mean that it doesn't matter. When Jesus appeared to us in the resurrected Christ, I think uh, the sacred heart is one of the best examples of his mercy. Now, there's the divine mercy image, which, which shows the rec- resurrected Christ. But there's also the sacred heart, which I think really shows his mercy and his avenue of forgiveness. His avenue of forgiveness is not forgive and forget. Like, oh yeah, nothing happened, no problem. But his mercy is even more powerful than that. He acknowledges the ways in which we've hurt him. And he says, you know what? But my love is greater. I love you more than that sin. And I am willing to endure anything for you. That is the mercy of God. And so when we see the sacred heart, we, we sh- should notice that he still has his wounds. In fact, that's what we heard in the gospel today. Jesus rose from the dead. And instead of rising in a glorious body that didn't have any wounds, he came back with wounds, showing the wounds, these glorious wounds, his wounds that he was willing to suffer and die for us. If you look at the sacred heart, it's often got a crown of thorns around it with a, a, a hole in the side from the spear that Jesus Christ is actually still hurting for us when we sin. But yet, his love is greater than that. And so he continues to offer his heart, and he has a burning heart with love for us. And recognizing that no sin is greater than his love and his mercy. Again, that doesn't mean that we can presume upon God's mercy, but it means that his mercy always endures and triumphs over if we come to him, right? Uh, Mercy and forgiveness and reconciliation is a two-way street. 
God is always there 100%. He's always there ready to forgive us, ready to work and do everything that he can to reconcile us. He's willing to die for us, but we need to show up. We need to say, Lord, I want your mercy. I want to be reconciled with you. I want to receive your love and mercy. How do we do that? Well, um, to kind of go back a, a little bit, I guess, um, to, to just point out one other thing in Scripture that I think ties into this, uh, that kind of, just to backtrack a tiny bit. Um, in the second reading today from the, gospel, or from the letter of John, it says, uh, right, so if we want to order ourselves in peace, we want to order our life. And the first thing that's most important is to love God, love neighbor, and, and love ourselves. right? And so the first thing is to love God. Well, how do we do that? Is it just whether we feel butterflies in our stomach? You know, is that kind of the love? And if we don't feel butterflies in our stomach, you know, out of love for God and that we're ready to, you know, skip into the field, right? We don't have love of God. No, no. What is love of God? Well, John tells us, he says, for love of God is this, that we keep his commandments. How do you know whether you love God? Well, you keep his commandments, right? You pray. You love your neighbor. You worship him. You take time in prayer with him. You follow his commandments. That's how you know that you love God. And that's how that he knows that you love him. You take those concrete steps. And sometimes we can see those, those commandments, those different things that he guides us to can be burdensome. Well, John tells us that his commandments are not burdensome, right? If they're burdensome, it's not because the commandments are burdensome. It's because we have sin on our heart. It's because we don't allow God to work in the midst of it, right? That we don't allow his mercy to endure and to transform us. And we don't see the world in which the way that God does. Now, how do we reconcile in this peace and this all? I've talked about his mercy and everything else. Well, one of the aspects that we form our conscience and receive his mercy in a concrete way is in the sacrament of reconciliation. In the sacrament of reconciliation where we confess our sins and we receive his mercy, it's one of the things I, I don't... I, I, grew up not really liking going to confession. In fact, there's still some times where I don't want to go to confession. I kind of put it off a little bit uh, in different things. Uh, But what's beautiful about it is how concrete it is, right? When I go to confession, I know that I'm forgiven. Otherwise, I'm not exactly sure. I'm like, well, you know, I can ask God his mercy and there are certain things. There's not everything that I need to go to confession for. You only need to go to confession for mortal sins, for serious sins um, that you knew were serious and that you committed anyways. Um, those you have to go to confession for. Other venial sins, you can be forgiven through receiving communion, uh, through, uh, the, uh, through holy water and other things, but it's so good to go to the sacrament of reconciliation and receive a clean state in the midst of it all and receive uh, absolution uh, from all of them. So uh, that's really good. And how do we know that that works? Well, uh, we have the church that tells us, but you know, what else, right? Are Catholics just kind of making it up as we go? Well, we are kind of making it up as we go. There's development of doctrine, but not, we don't make up everything, right? Uh, It comes from a basis within scripture. And one of the things is that we heard today in the gospel was the basis for the sacrament of reconciliation. Well, how can a priest forgive sins? Well, because Jesus actually gave the authority to the apostles. He says right here, It says that he appeared to them after his peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I send you. And then he says, when he had said this, he breathed on them. Now, not exactly COVID safe, but uh, it was a different time, right? He breathed on them, which is this Holy Spirit, this gift of life. And he says to them, receive the Holy Spirit. 
Whose sins you forgive are forgiven, and whose sins you are re- retain are retained. Now, the important part that I want to focus on is what sins you are forgiven and forgiven. But there's also an aspect of retaining. Because there are some people who come to the sacrament of reconciliation and aren't really sorry for their sins. Well, they're not really, they're showing up, but they're not really meeting it. Now, how much of a contrition do you have to have? Well, at the very least, you have to have a contrition of at least a fear of hell, right? And even if you're not able to not, you know, even, uh, it doesn't mean that you're never going to commit the sin again or anything else, but at least means that you're going to start working on it, that you're going to take some step, some, some step, any step towards avoiding that sin in the future, right? And so there are certain times when it's retained. Uh, one of the other examples is like if you steal, well, you can't continue to profit from stealing. So if you've stolen something, you can't, you can't steal a car and, and show up to confession and say, sorry, Father, I stole a car. Uh, and, then, and then you get to go take it and you're home free, right? That doesn't exactly work. It doesn't, you're not exactly sorry if you keep the car, right? Uh, and so there are certain things in which it's retained. But the main thing is what sins you are forgiven are forgiven them. Now, does that just remain with the apostles that he specifically breathed on? Well, no. The authority that's handed on through the laying out of hands and that the apostles passed on their authority to the bishops, to the, their successors and their successors and their successors, all the way down to Archbishop Brolio. Archbishop Brolio is the bishop for the Archdiocese for Military Services. And he can actually trace his lineage all the way back to the apostles. He's the successor of the apostles. And it's from him that I receive the authority to, as a priest to be able to, to forgive sins. That this scripture is realized and realized in our life so that we can be at peace. There are certain things that we need to work on in our life to reconcile with one another. There are things, if we've stolen things, if we've done something, we need to work to sometimes reconcile with those around us, reconcile with God if we're not right with it, right? Form our conscience. But there are some things in the past which we need to just receive God's mercy and to be able to move on and to realize that we are not the sum of our sins, but we are the sum of God's love for us. And that his mercy is larger than all of our sins. And it's in that that we actually get to live in God's love and start to live truly as children of God. Um, This week is, of course, Divine Mercy Sunday in the midst of it. And the mercy mercy of God cannot be over-preached or understood enough to be able to say like, oh yeah, I got it, Father. Yeah, God is merciful. That's enough. I, you know, I've heard it. Uh, it. It can't be fathomed. It's, it's so much. It's infinite. And it is one of the most important qualities of God, his love and his mercy. One of the gifts that he's given to the church is through the revelations of St. Faustina is the Divine Mercy Chaplet. And if you know it, it it's awesome. It's, it's, a, it's a great prayer. And I encourage you to pray it. If you don't know it, uh, look it up. It's, what I like about it is that it's a little bit shorter than a rosary. So maybe you don't have enough time for the 20, 25 minutes of a rosary. Or maybe you, you never, you know, maybe you had, were forced to pray a rosary when you were a kid and you, you don't like it, you know, uh, a- anymore. Or maybe you love it. Good, good. Rosary is amazing and, and ideal. But the Divine Mercy Chaplet is a uh, specifically focused on the mercy of God, and it's a little bit shorter. It takes about five minutes if you're really fast. 
eight minutes if you're really prayerful. Uh, a little bit slower, right? Um, and so most of us have 10 minutes to be able to pray that. And I especially uh, uh, exhort you, if you struggle with God's mercy in your life, if you struggle with sins of your past, or even today struggle with sins, pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet for yourself and for the world. Uh, and if you know somebody in your life who's really struggling with sin, who's really struggling with God's mercy, who's away from the church, Pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet for them. It is a powerful prayer. God's mercy is so amazing. This Divine Mercy Sunday, let us recognize how how much God loves us, that he wants us to have abundant life. He wants us to be in peace. Uh, But we need to uh, respond and cooperate with that grace. And so uh, this Divine Mercy Sunday, let us receive his grace and the great gift that he has for us.